0: Hi, everybody. Podcast time. Sorry, it's been a little bit of a, uh, a wait. But anyway, podcast number 39. I have a ton to get through. I've been really busy. Brooke and I have been out on the road and uh, all sorts of things going on. And I'll get to that in a moment. But um, just remember, your advice needs to be fair, current, complete and free of conflict. Um, interestingly enough, the uh, the code monitoring body ceases to be me as of one uh, January next year, and then uh, Treasury will take over that. I met the young lady that's going to be looking after that, and there's going to be six of them. So Mohita from uh, Treasury will be actually looking after that at least initially. Um, remember that we are our clients' only financial advisor. So uh, just a reminder of that that uh, don't shirk your responsibility. Your, your advisors and your clients need you. It's really important that we keep to doing that. Anyway, said so uh, it's a big day. It's the uh, it's the ninth of the sixth. And uh, I've got uh, plenty to do. So here I'm sitting, just got back from um, a week and a half on the road. And uh, so I'm back in Foster. And uh, it's a terrible day. Lucky I'm not in Armidale because they're forecasting 10 to 20 centimetres of snow in the next uh, couple of days. So it, uh, yeah, so poor Holly sitting in, the, in our house back there in the big house. She's going to be nice and cool. But anyway, that's her problem. Um, first thing I want to talk about is the APL. Now, um, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about um, the APL, and I was speaking about ETFs I think last last podcast. And I just remind everybody that the APL is open, but the, it's you it needs to be research behind that. So if you're looking at ETF to use it needs to have two pieces of independent research most things that are on platforms so if it's on hub24 or net wealth or cfs generally there's at least one piece of independent pla- uh, research before it actually gets on the platform and um, most cases the um, the platform will actually have that so as long as you've done that and you've got that piece of research then it's it's pretty good so um don't be too worried but make sure that you get those two pieces of research and they're somewhere on your file um, before you actually start using products obviously if you're using smas and that sort of thing then that uh, that process becomes comes a little bit simpler. Um, look, next thing I want to talk about is the um, the payment catch up. Uh, so you have got an email last day or so, can um, about the payment catch up. Now what's happened is, look, there was some admin errors on our point and on our part. I apologise for that. We're working with Work Sorted to get that sorted out. Um, they were very slow in getting back to us. Um, anyway, we've uh, I've got a little bit of leverage with Simon and the team now, and they've actually finally got back to us in time. And I apologise it was so late. Fortunately, it's a a bigger pay. Um, and thank you all of those guys that have just uh, you know acknowledged it and said that uh, to get on with it. Look, the whole thing was caught by um, the January pay. It was a three week period. Like we skipped a week, um, but at that point we only charged you for two weeks. Now, as much as my philanthropic side says, yeah, let's let you guys go. Um, My obligation to the shareholders and my obligation to the fees that I have to charge you um, outweighs that. And so I've got to actually take our full fee. I apologise for the way that it's actually happened and when it's happened, but um, it just had to be done. Um, Next thing is while while I'm being a meanie, um, Payway. What we're doing is Payway is we need to actually start taking transaction fees for Payway. It's Jesime is working out a system to do that, but they're charging us just a bit over 1.1% to actually collect money directly from the credit card. Um, as much as I'd again I'd love to be able to do that for you for free but uh, we can't because that's unfair. the um, if one advisor is using it extensively and another advisor isn't then uh, obviously you know that's uh, that's not super fair. so um we' we'll, basically it's going to be a user pay and um, there'll be a 1.1 so if you want to put that onto your um, uh, client transactions that's uh, legal as far as I know but um, if you want more information on that Jesima has all the information on that. Um, Look, next thing is uh, one thing I want to emphasize is that uh, obviously in the old days, all of our advice was subsidized by product and product did everything, collected our money and all that sort of stuff. That's obviously no longer the case and everything that we do is is completely about advice. Remember advice, advice, advice. That's what we charge for. That's the only product that we have. Don't give it away. There's still people out there giving away advice and sitting here and talking to people for nothing. Don't do that, because what you're doing is you're cheapening the product that you have. If you're prepared to give it away, that's going to be no future for any of us. So um, make sure that you keep your advice and don't give it away. Um, Ongoing admin versus advice. This is one thing I'm thinking about at the moment and um, I'm toying with the idea of setting um, clients up on an ongoing admin fee. Now there's, lots of bit, there's a little bit of talk about it in the press, but um, you know, look, looking at the facility whereby you set up an agreement with your clients um, and they can ring up to get a statement, they can ring up to check their balance, they can ring up to get their address changed, they can do all of those admin services that your office provides. Um, and you can actually set that up as an ongoing fee. And if they wanna pay, you know, be that a hundred bucks a month or 200 or whatever, they don't get access to an advisor, it's not ongoing advice but there is an ongoing payment that goes to your office. And when they ring up, they get to talk to your staff and they get the things done for free or for free or included in that amount. Then if you were to do that, that's actually not regulated. So you don't need an FDS because it's an admin fee. Now I'm not hundred percent certain of the way this would actually roll out and I'm still working on it, but happy for your your input. Then what you do is you have an annual review and you look after their portfolios and strategies and you charge that, you charge for that separately and you can teach that as your annual advice and you charge them once off every time you do that review piece. But anyway, that's something to ponder and think about in the way that you're actually going to attack this ongoing advice um, situation. Now, obviously, there's a lot of talk about um, ongoing advice and um, the um, enhanced FDS. Ob- obviously, where you have to do the enhanced FDS is when you're disclosing what you paid for the last year and an estimate of what you're doing for next year. But that's obviously only if you're in the ongoing fee space. If you're in the annual fee space, make sure that um, you just have need to do a 12 month agreement. And then at the end of that 12 month agreement, the payment stops. And then the next time you sign the client up, you sign them up. Um, With the ongoing fee and the FDS, what what, what I'm thinking at the moment is it may be better that you actually only get the fund manager to collect your fee for 12 months. You've got to get reauthorized anyway. And if you only get a 12 month fee collected, then it will expire at the end of 12 months and that way that if you are a little bit late with your documentation there's no extra money taken so it actually de-risks the ongoing advice piece a little bit definitely again something to ponder um look i'm happy to talk to you about the um the ongoing service and the annual advice agreements again um, but advisors look you guys need to talk to your staff about that there's a lot of confusion in the staff ranks and it's uh, it's probably something that uh, we don't want to start a scuttlebutt and get uh chinese whispers going on but um you guys need to, as advisors or practice owners, principals need to be making a decision as to how that's gonna work and uh, actually communicating that through to your staff. Um, obviously, all the product providers will be sending out more information soon. Um, I know Hub and Net Wealth will be able to provide a, a document that actually goes into your documentation or some, some wording. And I know CFS have um, put out their documents and the process that they're gonna be using. So I think everybody's getting their head around it. It's just a matter of them um, getting it out there. Um, next thing is the intranet. Um, Jessamay and Brooke will be, uh, have got together and got our intranet started. So it'll be, you know, it's gonna be a little bit raw first up and simple, but the idea is we wanna get an intranet and in time we're gonna put all the things on there that we need. So once, once that launches, um, come back, and give us a bit of feedback about other things that you actually want in the intranet and we'll able able to, um, to update that. So it won't be very long and there'll be a um, an intranet site out there, but we're gonna have a, the official launch very soon. Um, pay frequencies, Jesume just asked me to remind you all that the pay frequency will be the second Wednesday of every month from July onwards. So there'll be one more pay this year, this financial year. And from then on, everything will be monthly. And so hopefully that'll make your let your payments far less lumpy. Um, last week, Brooke and I went to the Innovation Summit in Sydney, I've always been a fan of the Innovation Summit. It's uh, it's always been a good show. Um, and um, it puts, puts in front of us all the, um, you know, the good idea, ideas that are floating around at the industry, and um, you actually get to meet all the people who are actually also thinking in that space. So you get some more ideas. Unfortunately, this wasn't my favourite one. It was a little bit disappointing. There was a lot of product information, and the products actually weren't super good products. There was a couple of things that we saw, and Brooks actually probably put together together something to come out as a to come out as um, a summary of our insights. But there was sort of nothing to write home about. Nothing actually jumped out and Hit me in the face, unfortunately. But um, anyway, it was a, uh, We went there. We caught up with a heap of good people, and uh, there's a couple of other ideas about how we can actually do things in the future. But um, that was about the uh, the benefit of that. Next thing I want to discuss is the Anchor app. Um, so when you guys listen to this podcast, I know you're everyone sort of messing with it and chucking all sorts of uh, ways of doing it. And I, I never actually actually envisage how hard it would be to to listen to a simple podcast but if you download the anchor apps that's a-n-c-h-o-r so if you uh dot fm and if you go to that website download the app and then you can listen to it anywhere on your phone you can listen on the computer listen to it in the car it just makes it a little bit easy and um to to manipulate and to use and you can go back and look at um back episodes anytime you want and you can um, see what's going on under all of them there's a description and um in the description it has the, um, you know, all, all the points that I've spoken about. So if you need to go back and look at those things, then um, it's easy to find your way through. Um, next thing is millennials. I know you guys, I'm harping on about millennials, but ultimately the the millennials, I wanna talk about the millennial, millennials, only about the point that we, I'm focusing on the fact that advice is about the advice. It's not about how much money the client has. It's about how much they might have if you actually give them advice. And so if a millennial comes in and, they've got, and they're have got they earning some money and you think, oh, they've got no money, I can't afford to talk to them. You can afford to talk to them, but you tell them. You say, look, it's gonna cost 250 bucks for this first interview. If you want me to give you advice, it's gonna cost you three grand. And then after that, if you want an ongoing arrangement with me, it'll cost me whatever it's gonna cost. But don't discount them, actually give them the offer. It doesn't matter if they've got no capital behind them or a really small super these people need advice. They need to know that they can salary sacrifice to go towards their home loan. They need to know that they can salary sacrifice at all. They need to know that they need to ramp up their superannuation. They need to know that they, uh, how to use a credit card. They need to ramp up, they need to know that they need to be saving and that saving can be put into some sort of, you know, investment that gives them a better return. Um, Superannuation might need to be, you know, stay where it is, but they may have a heap of, um, life insurance that they don't necessarily need because they're single and living at home. Be wary that you actually don't be afraid to give them advice and don't be afraid to say, yes, I can give you advice, but it'll cost you this. If they don't wanna pay, then they don't need the advice and it's not gonna be important to them. So please, deal with millennials, don't be afraid, but make sure you actually talk to them. Um, Low value clients, now I was gonna jump into this, it seems that my list has changed a little bit, but low value clients are, um, are an important thing to me, and it's and it seems that most practices have a lot of low-value clients that they want to keep. Now I think that's great. You know, if you've got low-value clients that you want to keep, that's fine, keep them. But you need to document what advice you're giving them and who's actually paying, because it's the same as an asset-based fee, for example. If you're charging people a lot more, um, how is that fair? That someone can get the advice for 500 bucks and then everybody else pays 3,000 bucks. So you're just going to be wary as to what that is. So what? One of the theories that I'm thinking about is start using what we a pro bono register. Now the pro bono register works really well, and that what you do is every time you give somebody a discount, you note it. You note that that's your pro bono. So this little um, Ethel that comes in, it's on a pension, has been there for ages, only got hundred fifty thousand bucks left. You don't want to charge at the standard three thousand dollars a year. You only charge you five hundred bucks and put down two and a half thousand as your pro bono put that in the, um, the ROA to say, look, you know, we're actually covering your fee through our pro bono system, mark it off in your register. Now, I think then at the end of the year, I think, you know, there's heaps of practices out there to be giving 30 or $40,000 a year in pro bono advice. The next step after that is if I get that information and we put that in a licensee perspective, I'd say we're actually giving close to a million bucks worth of pro bono advice each year. Now, how powerful is that? So when we start to- looking at ourselves as a licensee and we say, not only are we providing all these services, we actually are, providing over a million bucks worth of pro bono services to people in the community um, so you know that's got to be quite powerful and something that we actually use in our in our story so think about that think about your low value clients that you want to keep keep them but make sure you actually note what you're doing with them um, scoping now scoping is simple there's no problem with it scope it but it's got to be your clients' wishes when you're talking to the client, make sure you listen to what they say. Then if they need a little bit more education, talk to them a little while longer, talk to them about what you can actually do. And then at the end of that, then finalize your file note. But make sure it is a good file note and it says what the client actually wants. Like for example, I was auditing a file last week and I saw the fact that it said the client wanted um, to get the Centrelink um, card. And then I went into the advice, or correction, they wanted to get the Centrelink client card and they wanted 50,000 bucks a year in retirement. When I went through the SOA, it was immaculate. It was a perfectly designed SOA. Every document was there, there were file notes. It was a very, very neat um, and well-finished SOA. However, Centrelink was scoped out. And I thought, well, hang on a minute, if that's what the client wants, then why is that scoped out? And secondly, they rolled over the super fund from an industry fund to a wrap. And the, the reason for moving that, well, one of the reasons for moving that was so they could have access to ESG funds. Now, all of that works, except for the fact it's not what the client wanted. It had nothing to do. It justifies why the um the wrap was better than the existing industry fund, but at the end of the day, it's not in the clients, it had nothing to do with what the client actually wanted. Unfortunately, this wasn't from our licensee, it was from another. But um, I looked at that and I went, well, that doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me. But the file was very, very compliant other than the advice made no sense. So anyway, so think about that when you're scoping and make sure it is what the client actually wants. If they come in and they say, look, mate, today I'm really, you know, I just wanna get my superannuation game on point and I need to get that sorted out. I'm not worried about the life insurance. I'm not worried about anything else in it. I just want you to get my superannuation in a place where it can do exactly what I want. And what I want is want leveraged option and I want access to high growth and high alpha funds so as I can get this up to a um, a strong retirement. Can you work on that? And if you capture data like that from a client, then it's clear to say that you just want to look at what they're currently got and see whether that's got the facility to do it. Compare it to something that may do it a little bit better and think, right, oh, well, this is option. I'm going to say, I want you to move to this new fund. And it's specifically because it achieves all of those clients' goals and objectives. But be careful that when you scope, that you, you, you are scoping because it is what the client actually needs and wants. Um, code word. The code word for today is water bottle. So if you send that through to Jude and she'll give you some points. Um, ROAs, so um, obviously the ROA template is out there and um, what we're doing is we're working on a ROA request form. So Jesime should nearly have that done and we're gonna follow that up with a little bit of video on on how it is that you should be using that document. So um, just watch out for that one. That shouldn't be too long, but uh, Brooke and I have been out and about for so long, we're we're only just getting back and uh, knuckling it down to actually getting some work done at the moment. So um, it it shouldn't be too long and we'll have that ready. Same, same with the risk profile. I know I've been bragging about the fact that I've been working on a new risk profile. Unfortunately, I haven't had any time to work on it, but I'm back in the office now. And so um, I'll be getting onto that one as soon as I can. Um, surveys I've just got surveys in here because a lot of people were worried about the surveys that come in your inbox and all the things that go with it Look, there's two surveys that make sense to me and first one is um, the net wealth one because they talk about technology and innovation and the things that you're actually doing and they try to get some good data the the, the, the advantage of us to, to us is the fact that if they can get um, a certain um, number into that survey then they'll actually give us the data Um, which is really valuable to me. And uh, it's valuable that we get the data. But the other one is core data. Core data are really, really good and they help the industry a lot. They get a lot of good information out there. Um, They're really expensive for us to get the data back um, and appreciate that. And so we don't buy it, but the thing is the industry does get access to the data and it's valuable. So that's the other survey that I would push Look, um, but while we're on surveys, we can make them for you. Um, uh, the the teams in the Philippines uh, the, and the ops team can actually make up a survey for you. And it's really, really good sometimes to actually ask your clients what they want. There's, uh, it's, it's a big, big issue at the moment. Is that if the clients don't, if we don't ask our clients what they want, we're just assuming that they want what we give them, and you know that uh, could affect the stickiness over time. um next thing is cfs um just an update on cfs they've got a new ceo his name's rob something and i can't remember his last name but he seems like a really nice fellow we met him at the licensee summit um what he did say is the kkr deal is not going to go through till september and you'll see in the chat that uh, what we do is we're keen for you to continue to um, put the disclosure in there just about the fact that it is being taken over but um yeah new CEO uh, word on the street is that uh, he's saying yes to a lot more things and uh, he's actually pushing him around a little bit to try and get some stuff done. He is somewhat bound by um, the CBA issues, but uh, look from it, it, I was a little bit buoyed by the fact that um, it seems to be a, a little bit better um, feel from the group. So yeah, let's hope that works. Um, on that, um, the Roscoe product. so the Roscoe and the personal pension form is uh, uh, they're rolling back into first choice. And they're doing that reasonably quickly. The only problem is if you've got anybody who's on a fee and on that one, the transition will make them drop their fee. So if you do that, then you need to um, move them across. You need to sign them up and um, reauthorize them. You have to reauthorize them anyway. So make sure you actually reauthorize them and um, and get yourself your fee sorted out. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is the licensee summit so grant and I went to the licensee summit in the blue mountains for the last two days and it's um it was it, it, it's, it's a big event and there's lots of people there so treasury were there apra was there um, the um, law commission was there the and the law reform commission were there um, asic jumped up there was basically everyone who's a policymaker was actually at the function and we actually got a good talk to um, good chance to talk to all of them um, it's it's scary in that the people in the room, all the people that are pushing different um, areas are all coming from a different direction. For example, AMP and IFF all still have products and they're trying to separate their advice from their products. But unfortunately, when they're on the same company and they're still getting, the, you know, the shareholders are still profiting from the same business. It's, it, it's hard. Um, and the, um, the regulators were clear in the fact that they thought that wasn't actually a good thing that they're trying to achieve. So hopefully they work with them to get that done. A few other things you know there was a lot of things that um, that came out but um, you know there's a couple of um, programs out there where you can actually get your low value clients to fill in a um, um an a online and actually get simple advice one of is there's a couple of mobs like that and i'm talking to them about how we can actually get them branded and so rather than sacking our clients we actually put them into a different status whereas we don't actually charge them a fee but they're there getting advice and they're there Growing their money and uh, their, their position, and when they become more valuable, um, then we bring them back into the fold. There's um, yeah, so that uh, that that quite works quite well. Um, there were some amazing stats from Andrew Inwood from uh, Core Data, and uh, when I get hold of that uh, that presentation, I'll try and get a lot of that data and collate how it actually affects us and uh, where we move next. Um, it was uh, it was interesting to have a a good chat with Bernie Rippon from FOFA. Um, he actually did that and uh, you know he's uh, he, he's sitting an inter- interesting position at the moment but he does have a lot of influence within the the in the within the business but um but ultimately you know we're still suffering the same problem in that uh, we can't unite um, the fpa uh, the dante sat up on stage and got grilled to the max which was uh, which was really interesting but the the problem is there's still no one for us to all unite under um, under our advice i personally feel that um, the, the guys that have a conflicted model you know, they might be vertically integrated they might own their own product or their own sma or they're gaining um, some sort of benefit from product need to be under a different piece of legislation to the people who aren't and uh, and until we can actually separate the two things as two completely different issues then it's going to be difficult because there's too many conflicts involved but anyway we'll see how that all pans out over time it is it's 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 very interesting times but there is a lot of um a lot of pressure to try and get some change. And this is where the Law Reform Commission, we're looking at taking out, um, redoing chapter seven. The chaps, chapter seven of the Corpse Act is about retail products and the distribution of retail products. And, um, and unfortunately it picks up so much stuff. Like it's the second biggest um, act. Um, or I think it might be the biggest chapter in the Corpse Act. And so, and it's complex and it talks about, you know, it picks up products and PDSs right down to advice that we give. Um, and um, yeah, it needs some work, but I think the uh, the general consensus is is going to be uh, removed and and updated, But we'll see what they come back with. There's a lot of moving parts there. Um, they do have uh, a two year time frame to get something done. But the other thing they're looking at is whether this whole piece in our area should, needs to be um, prescriptive or principle based. And uh, you know, obviously when it's prescriptive, then we're told exactly what we have to do. And yeah, we get away and do it, which means no rule for, no no re- reason for licensee rules or anything like that. It's just, this is what you do and this is how you do it, or which would be a, a massive piece of uh, <laughs> legislation. But the other thing is where we're leaning and where we're currently working is a principle base. So here's the principles, this is what you've got to work within. The trouble with those is, you know, that it's open to interpretation. And we're finding that there's lots of everybody's lawyer has a different interpretation of each piece of um, information. And when you know three lawyers have three different interpretations, then it becomes complicated and really hard to enforce if somebody's outside of, or someone's acting unconsciously in that. But look, happy to talk with you further about the Licensee Summit, I'm sure Grant will as well. I've got a, quite a bit of information that I'm going to uh, probably put together in, a, um, in an email or a, or a completely separate podcast. But look, that'll do me for today. day. It's, uh, it's been a, a big couple of weeks. And i um, sorry for the, uh, the lack of information that's been flowing, but um, there's a fair amount out there today and um, I'd to be happy to, uh, to chat further with everybody. Don't forget to text in your code word and uh, I will um, see you all soon enough. Thank you.